Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi there, we're back. Ayers on the Road, but we are have been in the air. I mean, we have been in the air for a long, long, <laughs> oh. long time. Oh my week. goodness, you don't even want to hear about our flight. Well, there's part of it that's pretty entertaining. We we flew today from um, London, Ontario, Canada, in eastern Canada to London, England, and it was supposed to be just kind of a lovely flight. We just fly from London, Ontario down to Toronto and a nice nonstop over to London. But the airline, which will go unnamed to protect the yes. innocent, um, you know, had a little bit of a glitch and we got rerouted in a big time way. Our, <laughs> our route was from Toronto to Calgary, which, which is, is ha- as all the way back across the four country. hours going it's the kind of wrong just direction above Salt Lake City. and then from Calgary to London. But we made it and we were only on the plane for about 14 hours, 14 and a half hours. Oh, I think more. Yeah. And we're a little jet lagged, but yeah, hey, nothing, but we're here. nothing, neither rain nor sleet nor dark of night can stop Ayers on the road. In fact, you should know that we are sitting here in our daughter's flat in Kensington, which is central London, and it is getting dark. It's four o'clock our time right now, and it is getting dark. We did this. Uh, we lived in England for a long time, for three years oh, full time. Oh, three and, and, and a half and years, and, and the kids would always come home from school in the dark. In the dark. It's going to only get worse because, oh, yeah. you know, December Another, 21st is the shortest day of the year. It'll get dark by 3 get, o'clock. Yeah, it's and pretty amazing. Why in the world do they do daylight savings time here? You'd think they'd want to keep the light as long as possible in the evening. You would. I don't understand that. Somebody told me daylight savings time was an effort to uh, save electricity during the war when it first started, and they wanted to have daylight for as much of the workday as possible. <laughs> I think somebody made that story up, but <laughs> it could be. But it is really, um, it's beautiful here. It's fall, it's blustery. Um, our daughter lives right across the street from a beautiful little park. So we've been over there. Well, with it's a private garden. Boys. One of the great things about these these London little developments that were done just post World War II, they they all build them in a kind of a square. So all these little houses, townhouses, have four levels, and they all look out on this private garden, which has a nice big gate around it. It's only for the residents who live on the square. This, this particular one is called Lexham Gardens, and it is beautiful. The London neighborhoods are just gorgeous. And we're going to be drifting into our topic for today, which is marriage tip number nine. But we want to just tell you some great experiences we've had the last few days. And we've been in, in, in this London, Ontario, Canada, never been there before. Lovely little city of about 380,000 really patterned after London, England. They have a tent, they have a river that goes right through the middle called the Thames. Right. <laughs> they have streets called Piccadilly and Westminster and so Hyde on. Park. So and on. they have a lot of great, great parents. We met with about 400 of the most wonderful families of all ages, a lot of young parents. And we spent two full days just talking about how to strengthen our marriages, how to strengthen our families. It was pretty cool. It was really fun. We answered some questions 
the last hour and we had actually six hours with them. They also had uh, some guest workshop people that were wonderful and came in and did some beautiful workshops. It was really a delight because Canadians are just so down to earth. I love being <laughs> with Canadians. And sometimes you can't even tell they're Canadians until they say about. 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 Or let's go out. <laughs> let's go out to the car. Um, no, they didn't say car. Out anyway, to the car. <laughs> but it is, they're delightful. We had such a good time. And just dedicated people, deliberate parents and people who want to improve their Well, we, we support this kind of seminars whenever we have a chance to support them. Because, you know, we live in a world, Linda, where everyone goes to trainings and seminars. And they're usually about work or about accounting or about investing or about whatever. And it's so great to get a bunch of really good parents together and have the whole subject matter be about how do we raise these kids? How do we raise responsible kids in an irresponsible world? And everyone gets involved. Everyone has ideas. Everyone brainstorms. We did set it up at the beginning. We made it into a no guilt zone. We said, nobody, you got to all raise your hand and we're not going to, we're not here to think about all the things we haven't done and get a bunch of ideas and feel guilty that we didn't know them sooner. We're just all here to try to do better. We're just all here to try to learn. It was really a delight. So then it's just that at midnight, we realized that they had accidentally deleted our itinerary completely. And so we had to redo the whole thing in about 1.30. Uh, we in decided we were going to have to fly all the way back across the country and come back again in order to get here by now. Well, and, picture uh, this. We're on the phone at one thirty in the morning with this unnamed airline who has messed up our reservation. And, and well, we said, we got to be there. We got to get, we got to get to London, England tomorrow. Look through finally after about the third time. Well, we could get you there, but you're going to have to route through Calgary and you, in order to do that, you got to get on a plane here in about at 6 a.m., yeah. which meant we had to leave three hours later. So we had a lovely little sleep for three hours. And then not the much sleep last night either. No. So. Did you get any? Oh, you got a How many of you people you snored, can sleep on, on an airplane? It's, <laughs> it just, was, it's tough, though. It's really tough. But anyway, we made it. We're so grateful. My gosh. Think about our parents, our grandparents, great-grandparents, if and people who immigrated from here, <laughs> if they would think that we were complaining about getting here and, you know, 14 hours on a plane, wow, would they love that. It's really pretty <laughs> remarkable what we can do now with this world. And what a joy to be with with these two little grandsons. Their last name is Wright. And so these two little boys, we call them the Wright brothers, and they are just so delightful. Adorable. A two-year-old, two- and three-month-old. And then... Uh, Six well, two old. and three months, and then a six-month-old. Six old. Yeah, and uh, they are the cutest. Things. Moses and Gabriel, boy, oh, we've come wow. to the promised land here. I'll we have you. for sure. <laughs> but um, and of course, our daughter is just loving London. If you want to take a look at her blog, she has the most gorgeous scenes from London on that. Is and you, this won't be hard to remember. It's called <laughs> drippingwithpassion.com. Because Isn't that blogspot? Um, we'll ask her when she comes in the second half. Drippingwithpassion.blogspot.com, yeah. I think. I think that's right. But anyway, um, <laughs> she is always dripping with passion, one way or the other. She's either having a meltdown when her <laughs> two-year-old's having a meltdown, or she's <laughs> loving life more than anybody you know. 
So we'll be here a couple of days and then we're on to Amsterdam where we have a wonderful parenting seminar that we're surely going to enjoy. You can't not enjoy things in Amsterdam. And from there, we'll go down to Zurich where we have a son, Talmadge, and his wonderful wife, Anita, and their beautiful little daughter, Anina. And then we'll go from there over to Bucharest, Romania, where we'll meet with another group of parents. And one of our daughters served her mission in Bucharest. And so we've been there several times. We love it. Right on the Danube, right across from Bulgaria, where another daughter served her mission. And then from there, we'll go to Madrid, the capital of Spain, where a third daughter of ours spent two years and, well, 18 months. And uh, you got to love Madrid. No one doesn't love Madrid. Yes, absolutely. So, so we're we are going to have a lot of fun. Once we get a good night's nice rest tonight, I think we're going to be fine. And it's going to be awesome. Although we're fine now. I feel great right now. But I feel loopy. In about... <laughs> <laughs> about an hour I'm going to be joining you on the loopy but anyway we're so, well, we're so glad you're there I don't whether you're driving or home or whatever you're doing it's always a pleasure to talk about the most important things in life and we debated whether I mean we've got this list of the top 10 marriage tips that we think are really all pretty powerful and pretty universal in their application but we we debated a little bit whether to do number nine because it is less secular than the other nine. This number nine is. Uh, but we really decided we should go ahead with it because almost wherever we go and whatever parents we talk to, there's a consensus that if there's one thing in this old world where you need some help from a higher source, it's parenting. It's the hardest thing we do, and it gets harder every day in this materialistic world we live in and this entitled bunch of kids that most of us have and with the screen time and the technology and with the bullying and with the cyberbullying and with on and on and on. And um, so the, this particular tip is called making your marriage into a three-way partnership, and that essentially to us means if there's anything in life we need to pray about, and this means, you know, whatever we perceive that higher power to be, most of the listeners to this show probably are people of faith, but there may be some who aren't, but we are sort of armed with the statistics and the polling that shows that about 90, 91% of Americans at least believe in some sort of spiritual force, some higher power, yeah. and and do some kind of praying. And in fact, we were quite startled to do that. We did research on a couple of books ago called The Turning, about how many people were really either faith-based or believed in meditation and communing with a higher power. And it's a phenomenal number. It really is quite remarkable that most people do that. And even in the in the East, where especially maybe in the East where meditation is so huge, that's really helpful for them too because they're communing with something outside themselves, and it really is amazing. And we don't have data to support this part of it, but I but I believe it's probably intuitively true that um, virtually everyone who who ever prays in any form uh, who is also a parent probably has prayed about those ch those children, about those kids, has probably prayed. It's, it's a little like what Abraham Lincoln said, 
There are times when I'm driven to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I have nowhere else to go. And I think he was probably talking about the Civil War, but who knows? He might have been talking about parenting. <laughs> he could right. have been. Well, because he, he all had a parents, very difficult wife. That's true. Very he might have been praying about her. Doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think every parent would identify with the fact that there are times when you're driven to your knees by the overwhelming conviction there's nowhere else to go. Sometimes that just means utter frustration, the hardness, the difficulty of parenting and of marriage and of doing well with your spouse and other times you're just really in need of inspiration. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's easier actually to be in touch with a higher power when you're in crisis, you know, when you really need help. I think it's on the day to day that sometimes we lag with that a little bit because things are fine and so on. Except that if you have a bunch of little children at home, things are not fine very often. <laughs> They're just always some kind of a crisis. And also as our children get older, in fact, somebody said to me, oh, your children are all less home now. You just have no worries. It's so great. You can just go off to Sun City. And as all of you know who are listening, uh, that has not worked that way. But it really is. It, sometimes it gets more stressful. And it is a really important thing to have somebody else to turn to. But as a couple, I think that's what we want to talk about today is having that triangle in our minds that... Um, if you have, um, I'll, we'll get into that triangle a little bit in the, in the second half of the show. And, but I just have to say we're, we're sitting by our daughter's bay window <laughs> and I got a little distracted there for a minute because a couple just walked in who, um, are very interesting. They're a very interesting older couple, and we've met them before and talked to them a little while they're here. And I it's think Lawrence Olivier's son. Yes, it is. And his wife. And I think Charity can talk about that just a little bit because <laughs> she's going to come now for the second half. We're going to take a little break here, and you have a real treat coming. She, I'm going to go back and take care of the little little boys, and she's going to come out and wait. I, am I doing that, dad. or are you? No, I am doing you, that. Oh, you get the favorite assignment. I have to stay here and be on the road you, in radio. You do. Uh, well, I guess it'll be fun being here with Charity. So, so hang on. This will be really fun. We'll take a brief break and be right back on Ayers on the Road. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back on Ayers on the Road. We're broadcasting from London, England, from the wonderful apartment of our daughter, Charity, our youngest daughter, who we've talked about a lot on the show. We kind of um, pumped up your blog on the earlier part, Charity, although we had a disagreement. I, I think it's drippingwithpassion.blogspot.com. That is right. Okay. So, Charity, welcome to the show. Charity doesn't know the subject of today's show. We're going to have some real spontaneity. What we're talking about today is marriage tip number nine, making your marriage a three-way partnership. We know all listeners are not necessarily people of faith, but we, we also know statistically that 90% engage in some kind of prayer, and we assume that at least 90% of that 90% probably prays about their kids because kids are something that makes you need to pray. That is definitely <laughs> true. 
especially when one of them's two and one of them's six months. Yeah, I have really small kids, and I've been definitely petitioning heaven for some uh, guidance because it can be a little. Um, sometimes I don't know what to do, <laughs> but I think even if you don't have a strong faith in God, everybody um, sort of has a spiritual side that they can tune into that can really help them with parenting so, or with their marriage and with parenting. Even if, even if the main thing it does is calm you down in your marriage, right. And make you, make you look for a deeper relationship and a deeper meaning. In fact, just as the first half of the show ended charity, we, we started talking about this whole idea of a three-way partnership and the, 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 the symbol and the sort of metaphor that most people have probably heard where if you think of husband, wife, and God as this triangle, and if God's at the top of the triangle, the way to get closer to each other is to each move up the two sides of the triangle closer to God, and you find yourself becoming closer to your spouse as you move in that direction. Yeah, I've definitely found that to be true in my marriage. And I think often in marriage, you know, we feel like we need a third party. Yeah. Um, because we have a disagreement about something or it's just hard to see things from uh, each other's point of view. And, you know, often it's good to have a, a human third party. But I think that God is the perfect third party that can help us to understand each other and to learn from each other. If we just involve him in our lives, then we can have a have a little bit of help from heaven no i think that you approach that just the way that that, that I, I wanted you to because it's like just the dynamic changes when there is a third party whether yeah. it's a mediator or whether it's a counselor or whether it's just someone it's listening not me versus to both you. Of you. It's, yeah. yeah it's not it's not a i've got an idea and you've got an idea and they may conflict there's another entity there and, and of course, if that entity is divine, and if you really believe that, that that being can not only help you, but wants to help you, wants to be useful. And if you can ask the right questions, I know a lot of people, and, and Linda and I are among them, and I'll bet you and Ian are too, that uh, we mentioned the first half of the show, there are times when I'm driven to my knees by the overwhelming conviction I have nowhere else to go, the Abraham Lincoln quote. And there are times in the friction of a marriage where this, the single sort of remaining option is to stop talking to each other and arguing or trying to work it out and start talking to someone else, namely God, and getting on your knees and praying sometimes is the way to change the whole atmosphere of a relationship. That's true. I bet you've done that. I know you have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely think that that can help us to yeah really understand each other better and, and help us to take a step back. Because when we take a step back to pray or to involve God, it just separates a little, it separates us a little bit from, yeah, me versus you or sort of the friction that can sometimes happen in marriage. Yeah, it's, it's it's a matter of trying to draw down the power of heaven to help you in your relationship. But it's also the perspective that comes from sort of thinking in a higher way. A lot of times the things we disagree on in marriage and the things we have a hard time aligning on in marriage are really pretty petty. Yeah. And, and you know, the more once we you step back. Yeah, it's kind of the step back of prayer and, and sort of getting it all in perspective and realizing, hey, this can happen. Um, 
you know, this is a little unfair because you didn't even know the subject, Charity, but what is it about, how would you typify the difference between individual prayer and couple prayer or, or praying as a husband and a wife? And what's the magic of that? <laughs> the first thing that comes to my mind is that sometimes it's useful for me when we pray together for me to be able to say things in a prayer that I want my husband to hear, but I don't want to <laughs> say to his face. <laughs> so that's maybe not the best way, but, but along those lines, like I do think it's useful for us to hear each other, thank God for each other and ask God to help us to be better spouses, to hear each other say that, yeah, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. It's sort of like a humbling experience that separates us from just each other. And we realize that when we're talking with God, we're grateful for each other. We want to be better for each other. We want to understand each other. Um, and we love each other in sort of like a unique way. Um, but also we, you know, are praying for the same things a lot of times, Yeah. pretty yeah. much all the time. Yeah. And so that unites us. It shows us that we have, when it comes to the most important things, we're unified and we're petitioning God for the same blessings. But I heard that little admission or that little confession that sometimes you sort of pray like, God, please help this stubborn man to yep. <laughs> see the truth <laughs> yep. in this situation. <laughs> and he can't really talk back in that scenario. So, <laughs> Well, again, one of the, yeah, that's right. He can't, he has to hold his peace, especially if you're the one giving the prayer. But it goes both ways. <laughs> it's probably useful for me to hear that too. So, um, You know, it's interesting, Charity, how many people that we meet with who where we're speaking or whatever, and they're not people of faith necessarily, and yet what's interesting to me is they still, a lot of people who may have never entered a church still want to be married in a church. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that's just because it's pretty and they want a ceremony and they want an organ or whatever. But I actually think most people in the world, even those who don't sort of practice faith on an active basis, they, there's some sort of a sense that marriage is something higher and that, that it needs to be holy in some way. It needs to be spiritual in some way. And and I think people therefore tend to to gravitate towards some kind of divine help in a marriage. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Now let's add one other thing. And and again, this is this is just uh, I don't even know if this is something we you and I've never talked about this charity, but one thing Linda and I discovered years and years ago, and getting back to this praying as a couple is that when one person was the voice and said the prayer and the other one was just listening, um, it didn't quite have the magic that it did when, when we would both pray. So what we often do is one of us begins a prayer, an out loud, an audible prayer, and, and instead of closing the prayer at the end, squeezes the hand of the partner, the spouse, and then the other one picks up the prayer. And it may go back and forth two or three times. And w- one thing I love about that is just the context or the, the implication that this is a meeting, the two of us before God and making this petition or, or giving this gratitude or whatever. We're doing it as an entity. Yeah, we've definitely talked about that because that's what, we do in our marriage as well. Um, every night when we pray, we both we both speak in the prayer. And actually, at the beginning of our marriage, we didn't do that, but then we switched, and that has made a big difference because it does feel like we're more more approaching God as a unified force, and we can fill any what we feel like the other person has missed, or we can echo what the other person has said, and that just 
that's definitely helped us to feel closer to each other and to God. And tying in with that, um, do you think, Charity, that that having a spiritual dimension in a relationship and sort of sort of in a way, whatever way you do, however this works for you, sort of visualizing a two-way partnership expanding now into a three-way partnership, do you think that um, impacts the very nature of the commitment? Do you think it deepens it? In other words, you know, we live in this world, and you know, we've talked about this on other shows, where if you were to graph it, cohabitations on the steep incline, on the rise, and actual marriage covenants are on the decline, and yet um, we also have data that shows the very best marriages in the history of the world are happening now. When people really are willing to make that commitment, it really becomes powerful. Yeah, and I think also, like I mentioned earlier, just um, having a spiritual element of our um, marriage um, sort of forces us to step back and to be still, even if it's just taking Mm, the time to mm. pray or meditate or whatever you do. It's just stepping back from the craziness of life and the craziness of your relationship and just taking the time to be still and separate yourself and focus on what's most important. And that's spiritual in nature, no matter how you do it. And I think that spirituality helps just in the fact of it helping you to slow down and be still and reflect. And Ooh, I really like that. I really like that. And you, you haven't been here charity on, on the earlier eight marriage tips, but a lot of them sort of hinge on, finding time for each other, right? I mean, the busier you are with children, I mean, in your case, with two little boys, little rambunctious boys, I might add, and and with, with you know, Ian's job and the demands of it and so on, just finding time for the two of you is one thing. But then if you sort of magnify that and say, you know, not only do we need to go for a walk together along the Thames and commune with each other and get away from the busyness of our lives, add to that we need to get away and find an atmosphere where we can pray together where we can involve this third partner in our marriage and that requires i think you said it well that requires stepping back that requires getting out of the rat race that requires going somewhere even if it's just kneeling at your bed at night when everything's quiet in the house where it might involve you know, some other effort to pull away from the the normal chaos and busyness of the world and have time for serenity, for communication with each other and with God. Yeah, exactly. I think it's like a built-in, if, let's say you pray with your spouse every night, that's like a built-in dedicated time where you're focusing on each other and on God and you're separated from all the craziness. So just to sum up, we're out of time again. These half hours go fast on ours on the road, but we're, we're looking forward, Linda and I, to uh, I think next week we'll actually be in Romania, and we, or maybe we'll still be in Zurich. We'll be probably <laughs> to keep one trying. of those two, and we'll broadcast from there, and we'll go on to marriage tip number 10, the final one in this little mini-series. But until then, just know we're we're thinking a lot about number nine. Maybe we should have made number nine number ten because there, in my mind, there would be nothing more powerful and more essential in a marriage that you value and want to last forever than to have 
in your mind the concept of a three-way partnership. So, Charity, any final words? I agree. <laughs> Two words. I agree. I bet Ian wishes you, he'd hear that more often. No. <laughs> <laughs> he'll say it in the prayer. He'll, he'll, he'll wait he'll, for me to say it in the prayer. He'll say it in the prayer. Yeah. <laughs> so, from London, thank you, and we'll see you all next week on Iris on the Road. Have a great week. <laughs>